All right, you may be seated. And you guys really sang good this morning. Amen. That's good stuff. All right. All right. Good morning, church. Amen. Good to see y'all. We are starting a brand new series this morning on Christmas, of course. Uh, But before we get into that, we want to introduce a brand new couple with us this morning. Joey and Penny. Actually, what happened was he's joined the church a a while, a couple months back. Is that right? Something like that. And got on fire for the Lord. And because he got on fire, God blessed him (laughs) with Penny. And so he proposed to her last week. So stand up, guys. Give him a real hand of applause. All right. All right. Amen. We're excited about that, especially because Penny is a great, great gal. And um, I think she'll keep him in line really good. Amen. (laughs) All right. Again, we are starting a brand new series this morning on basically preparation, uh, preparing ourselves to be used by God. Well, I believe that God wants to use us. Can I hear an amen? amen? And I believe he wants to use you. But in order to use us, we need to be prepared, be ready for that. As a matter of fact, uh, Jesus, and later on in his ministry, he, he gave a parable about uh, 10 young virgins. And he gave this parable in Matthew chapter 25. And it talks about uh, how that these virgins went out to meet um, their um, uh, bridegroom. And so ten, five were wise and five were foolish. And the foolish virgins didn't have oil in their lamps. And the wise ones had oil in their lamps. And so right before the, the bridegroom came, the foolish ones said to the wise, can you give me some of your oil? And they said, no, we can't do that. And so they went out to buy oil. They weren't prepared. So the bridegroom comes and only five got to go because of the preparation. And I think Jesus tells this story to encourage us to understand the importance of being prepared. So I asked you this morning as we get started in this message this morning about Mary. We're going to look at four different people involved in Christmas and how they were prepared. And today we're going to talk about Mary. So I asked you the question, are you prepared? Are you planning to be used by God? Or do you actually even think about that? Just before we get started, do you even think about God using you? Do you think maybe that God wants to use you in maybe this Christmas season? I mean, we always think, well, I know he wants to use Real Life Church in this community. Amen? He wants to use Real Life Church, and I think he's going to use us in a great way in 2021. I believe that big time. All right? Can I hear an amen? amen. All right? And, and, and so, have, do you sit around thinking that, that God's going to use you personally? And... If you think that, I think then it will motivate you, and that's what this sermon is about, motivating you to prepare yourself to be used. And if you're not prepared, you're going to miss out completely on what God wants to do. I mean, just, just simply speaking truth through you to awaken somebody spiritually and allowing them to be on fire. Because so many of us are, can I say this, we're spiritually, what's a good term for this? 
<laughs> not spiritually dead, but uh, spiritually not alert. All right, today I'm going to be nice, amen? Spiritually not alert. And so just speaking truth, which awakens somebody and gets them to be where they're in tune with God is being used. Or, or your child speaking something to your child that brings them to life. Truth. Now, as we open our Bibles to Luke chapter 1, as I was reading this, I, I just was reminded that the Word of God is eternally fresh. It's just fresh. I mean, so long ago, I remember I was 19 years old and just got saved, and, and Judy and I got, was married, and we lived in Brazil, Indiana. And they asked me to be part of the Christmas cantata. <laughs> of course, I wanted to say no, but I didn't. I said, of course. Well, then they, I found out they want me to be had of a speaking part. They want me to narrate this entire play. And they wanted me to, to read Luke chapter one. Well, I, I, I couldn't read, so I had to, I mean, very well, so I had to memorize this whole portion of scripture. And so it's committed memory. But I, as I'm going back over this, it's, it's amazing how fresh the word of God is. How, how there's things there that just reminded me of some great stuff I remember reading before. But not just that, some things that I've never seen before. It reminds me of what Hebrew says, that the word of God is quick and alive and powerful. So let's begin to read this. And we're going to begin to read in verse 26 down through verse 38. Now, this is old hat. So it's going to be up to you to be spiritually in tune and be awake to listen. Don't be nodding off. Tensionally, listen, because you've probably heard this story a million times. Okay, but be alert and listen and let God speak to you. Mary was only 14 years old. Keep that in your mind. Most, most theologians believe that she was 14. And listen to the wisdom of, 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 of the things that she even actually says and how she responds. Verse 26. Now in the sixth month of the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, rejoice, Highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. Notice what she was troubled about, not his appearance. Now, if I see an angel all of a sudden come into my bedroom, I'm going to be troubled by what I see, right? We might have to change our sheets or something, right? I mean, think about that. I mean, the, have the word of God... Place it in your life. Okay? She was troubled at this saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and he will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Judah forever. And of this kingdom, there will be no end. Now notice this. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I have not known a man? And the angel said unto her, the Holy Spirit shall come upon you. And the power of the highest 
will overshadow you. Therefore, notice, therefore, also, that Holy One which is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son of her old age. And this is now the sixth month with her who is called barren. For with God, notice this, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, now notice this, behold, the handmaiden of the Lord, let it be to me according to your words. And then the angel departed. It's amazing stuff. There's four characteristics that we want to point out about Mary. Four characteristics that she prepared herself, and because she was prepared, she was used by God. First of all, number one, she was prepared in the way that she kept her body pure, okay? She's 14 years old, you think, well, that was easy, but not when you consider all the things that was going on. Now, the Bible points out in verse 27, let's read it again, because this is vitally important, to a virgin, now, the King James says, a spouse or betrothed to a man. Now, notice the word virgin, or virgin, okay? Now, some liberals, okay, some liberals say that this is, doesn't mean a virgin. It just means that she was a young lady, okay? There's a little problem with that. Look at verse 34. Look up there. Mary's own words said, then Mary said, how can this be since I've not known a man? And then if you go to later on when she's with Elizabeth, you see the same thing. And then you have the writer of the book of Luke who is a doctor and he says the same thing. She is a virgin. But over and over again, the point is, if Mary hadn't disciplined her body, to the point of no sexual relationship, she would have been bypassed and not used by God. Now, there's another place. Let's just keep adding to this. There's another place that says that she was born in Nazareth. Nazareth was a corrupt city. You ever been involved in a corrupt city? Raise your hand if you've been involved in a corrupt city. Okay? And a corrupt family. Okay? And that's what, that's what Mary was. She was brought up in that. Jesus in his day, later on in John 1, 46, I, I, I noticed this, Nathaniel said, when he heard that Jesus came from Nazareth, this is what he said. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Does that tell you the kind of life that she had? Ken Hodges, I like his description in his commentary. I wrote this down. It says, from all indications... Her life would not be extraordinary. She would marry humbly, give birth to a numerous poor children, never travel any further than a mile from home, and one day she would die just like thousands of others just like her. A nobody in a nothing town in the middle of nowhere. The point is, that people that are in these kinds of circumstances, they give in to that thinking that, well, what does it matter that I'm pure? Nobody's gonna know. 
nobody's going to care. And what will it ever matter? And if Mary had bought into that lie, she would have been bypassed by being used by God in this capacity. You say, well, why is the virgin birth so important? Just a couple of thoughts. Number one, God's word is at stake. Hundreds of years before Jesus was born, and you know this, was the prophecy that he would be born of a virgin. Okay, look at the screen. Isaiah 7, 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Now, a sign. Again, virgin, if she was just a young lady, which that's what the liberals say, it wasn't a virgin at all, it was just a young lady. Well, what kind of sign would that be, right? The sign is the miraculous fact that she was a virgin. And she shall bring, conceive a son and he shall be called Emmanuel, Okay. It's a sign from God. Uh, Luke chapter one, verse 37, which we already read, it says, for with God, nothing is impossible. Well, for a young lady to have a baby, that's possible. But for a virgin to have a child, we would say God showed up, right? <laughs> we would all say that. It's a miracle, okay? So, so when he says, Nothing is impossible with God. That is a sign. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ, let me point out to you, this is strong evidence that you should believe. This is a great reason for you to believe fulfilled prophecy. The fact that God predicted hundreds of years before his son was born, how, when, and where, and why. And then it happened exactly how he described it was going to take place. If he's right on his son, if somehow he was right on his son, do you think maybe he's right about your future too? That maybe, just maybe, that right after death, there is a heaven and there is a hell. There's a heaven to be gained and there's a hell to be shunned. Maybe what he says is true. The Bible says, it's appointed unto man once to die and after that, the judgment. So maybe you ought to prepare yourself, amen? And not put this important thing off. So the virgin birth is vital, number one because of the, the prophecy. Number two, because of the purity of Christ. The Bible describes that the, the, the Savior had to be born sinless. If he's gonna die for the sins of mankind, he had to be absolutely perfect and spotless Lamb of God, okay? And the scriptures teach us, teaches us that the sin nature is passed down through the sexual relationships. Okay, so if Jesus is born, not a virgin, he would have that sinful nature. Therefore, he couldn't die. So who in the world came up with this idea other than the omniscient God? 
that it is a savior that never knew a man. So there was no natural sin passed down. That's why all of you guys are so wicked. <laughs> but not the son of God. I'm just joking. He's spotless. He's perfect. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says this. It's a fantastic verse. He who, for he made him, now notice this, who knew zero sin was made to be sin for us. That we might be made the what? Righteousness of God. That's just fantastic stuff. We got to have the righteousness of God. In other words, when God looks down at us, we're completely sinless. Not of our own doing. But because we gave him our sin and he gave us his righteousness. It would have never happened without this important doctrine. This important truth of the virgin birth. We can't fall asleep to this stuff. This is a lie. This is the reason we're saved. Thank God for Mary. That she was prepared but we also have to look at scripture and look at a little deeper at Luke chapter one and what it doesn't say. We need to make much of Mary, but not too much. All right? Can't think too much of her because here in our generations and since 1859, there's been a lot of false doctrine out there, which is doctrines from hell and the reason I say that, because it's no, it's not a matter you just overlook. When they twist the word of God and people buy into it, millions and millions spend eternity in hell because they believed a lie. Now, I'm not preaching fire and brimstone up here. I don't think I am. Okay. I've just been honest. Okay. Jesus, look up in Luke chapter 25. Study that portion of scripture. I think it might be Luke 25, Luke 24. Okay? Or actually, I think it's Matthew. Research it on your own. <laughs> Where Jesus lamb blasts the Pharisees for their false doctrine. He calls them whited sepulchers. You know what that means? That's nice. That means you pull the, 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 the tomb open and, and they're just eaten up with maggots. They're dead man's bones inside, but they paint them real nice and white and make it look like they're clean when really they're just full of dead man's bones. That's what he called these religious people. He said, you're a double-fold child of hell than yourself. And that's the teachers who preach this false doctrine. Let me just give you a couple of things. We need to make sure that we don't make too much of Mary. Mary, this scripture does not say that she was full of grace. Okay. It does not say that anywhere in scripture that she is a dispenser of grace. She is a recipient of grace. That's what the scriptures talked about. She was a recipient. Yes, it does say that she was highly favored of God. Well, the scripture tells us that God looks to and fro throughout the whole earth. Now just think, picture this. God is looking to and fro throughout the whole earth. Isaiah talks about chapter nine. He's looking and he's looking for someone that he can show himself strong on behalf of them. Think about it, God's looking. What's he looking for? People he can use. And when he finds somebody he can use, then he uses them. 
we first started real life when we was all in my front room, I said, this is a verse we're going to grab a hold of. And I want all of us in the front room to do this right now. Just do this. Wave to God. Here I am. Use me. He's looking. You said, that's crazy. Exactly. We want God to see us that we want to be used. He's looking. She's highly favored. So anybody that's high, that's used by God is highly favored. Number two, praying to Mary. It's not in here. Okay. But it is in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. Notice what it says. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. That's what scripture teaches. It's a significant error to say that, and I, I went to Puerto Rico and I went to El Salvador and God have mercy, but everybody was praying the statutes and the signs and the plates that said, Mary helped me with this, Mary did this, and Mary did that. You can't make too much more of Mary than scripture does. In 1854, it also came out with a proclamation, the Immaculate Conception. That is that Mary was not infected by the natural sin. Again, there's no, none of that found in scripture. But praise God, Mary is prepared. See, men seem to mess the Bible up. <laughs> Matter of fact, <laughs> I've been preaching for probably uh, a long time. And I look back some of those first sermons, I have some tapes from my first sermons, and it's like, what a mess. How was a mess. Praise God, he had grace with me. And the church had grace with me, amen? But the point is, men mess up the word of God. The Bible specifically says Mary disciplined herself and she was highly favored. She was not full of grace. It's not hell Mary, mother of God. It's not hell Mary, pray for us. And I wanna be gracious and loving but I want to speak the truth and I, will, I do not want to shy away from the truth. This is not about lamb blasting anybody. This is about preaching the truth that we can be a church that stands on the word of God. We want to make much of Mary because she was prepared. We don't want to make too much of her because she's just like one of us. Praise God. We can be highly favored. We can be used if we prepare ourselves. Can I hear an amen? We can be, but we got to be prepared. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. Let's look at this verse. Now, we'll come back to this a little bit later. But it says this. Look what it says. It says, Paul's talking about disciplining his body. He says, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Now, in the Greek, that literally means black eye. He gives himself a black eye. Okay? It's so important, Paul says, to discipline myself. Lest, when I preach to others... I myself should become disqualified or put on the shelf where I'm not used. Everybody see that? If you don't prepare yourself, you're put on the shelf and you won't be used. Disqualified, Paul uses, but it literally means be put on the shelf. But what we do for our Romans chapter six, verse 13, this is what we do. 
And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness, okay? But your members, but present yourselves, God, as being alive from the dead. Now notice this, and your instruments, your body, as instruments of righteousness. What do you do? You present yourself. Like I, I say, God, Holy Spirit, take control. I give you this body. I present it to you, holy and acceptable, which is my, it's the reasonable thing, Romans 12 says, verse one and two. It's reasonable because what all God has done for me, it's just reasonable for me to present myself to God. Now, you might be here to say today and you say, well, but I have sinned sexually. I haven't kept myself. My response would be, stand in line. The scripture makes it clear that the sin sexually, is this a little touchy? You guys are awful quiet. The sin sexually is not just with the body. This preaches but it's with the mind and the heart as well. We think we haven't done anything, and yet the Bible says when man looks at a woman and he lusts after her, he has sinned in his heart. He has committed adultery in his heart. He's guilty of sin. Now that preaches. So and is there anybody here that has never sinned with their mind in that area? Praise God, we've cleared all of that up, right? It's not an issue of perfection. It's an issue that we're striving to do better. We're striving to grow in this area of discipline in our bodies. And it's hard. We have the appetites. And as Christians, and I know this is a little bit deeper than Sunday morning, but as Christians, we are to not listen to our appetites of this body. We are to die to this body. And all the appetites, it's our enemy, the world, the flesh, the flesh, and the devil. The world and the flesh, the appetites. We are to die to these appetites. So if we want to be a church used by God, not just in the area of sexual discipline, but the area of discipline all the way around. As Paul said, we need to discipline and not listen. Don't let this body govern what we do, what we think, and how we behave. Don't let the appetites govern our lives. Praise God. Mary did not. She was prepared. Therefore, she was used by God in this area. Even at 14. That's what's amazing. Number two, she was prepared in the way she viewed herself. Notice how she responded to the angel. Verse 29. She was very perplexed. But when she saw the angel, she was troubled at his saying. And she considered what kind of greetings this was. She was perplexed. Notice she didn't say, well, it's about time you showed up. I'm a lot better than all these other women around this here in Nazareth. And they're a mess. I'm going to be a lot better off for Jesus than any of these women. I, it's going to be good for him that I'm standing by his side. None of that. She was humbled. She even said to her cousin, 
Look at verse 47, Luke chapter one, verse 47. It says, my spirit rejoice in the God, my savior. She recognized she needed a savior. The, the notion that she's the fourth part of the Trinity is not found anywhere in the Bible. She was humble. Look at verse 48. For she has regarded, now notice this, now she's speaking, he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. She was humble. The point is, if you want to be used by God, there has to be humility. And we know this. Let's go, let's just look, let's go off this subject. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5. Verse 5. Okay. Everybody, everybody glued in? Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Okay? So all of you be submissive to me. I'm the elder. Okay, but here's the point I want you to stress. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. Man, in America, that's the last thing we want to do. We have rights. Can I hear an amen? We have rights. You ain't going to tell me what to do. I'm independent. Well, the Bible says that we need to be submissive, and that means elevate others better than ourselves, to think of others better than ourselves. That's hard to do, as we're going to see. Notice, God resisted the proud, and we've dealt with that. God resisted the proud. He's the football player on the other side. When you come running, he's going to nail you, all right? He resists the proud, but gives grace, favor to the humble. Verse 6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that what? that he may exalt you in due time. He's gonna bless you. He's gonna use you in due time. But only when you humble yourselves, only when you're submissive. If you wanna be prepared for God blessing you, God using you, be submissive, not to the ones that you just pick out. The ones that you think, well, they deserve my respect. It says be submissive one to another. And then God will highly exalt you. Now, that's tough. Can I hear an amen? That's, that's tough. Difficult. Look at verse 7. Okay? Follow the thinking. Casting all your care, worries, problems on him because he cares. Okay? Look at verse 8. Still talking about the str struggle with submission. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is walking about seeking whom he may devour. Put it into context. This thing about submissiveness is serious business. You want to talk about the spiritual warfare that goes on? Is our pride that we're better than other people that we're more valuable than other people. And what he does is he's walking around and when he sees somebody proud, notice what happens. This is warfare, guys. When we elevate ourselves in different classes with other people and we're not humble and that we're, we're not valuing other people, Satan gets in and he devours. That's exactly what he wants from us. So we have to be sober. That just means serious. We have to be vigilant, ready for the battle. And then notice the next verse. Resist him steadfast in the faith. 
We can get victory over this. If we want to be used by God, we have to be prepared. And one of the ways we prepare ourselves is we submit to God and we are submissive one to another. We don't, we don't adopt this attitude of Americans that, that uh, uh, we're better than everybody else because we've arrived where we strive to arrive to. And I, I believe that we need to, to go for the, the trophy. And I think we need to win every game. Can I hear an amen? I don't think we need to lay down and say, give a, give a prize to everybody. Okay? But I believe that we need to be spiritually submissive. Value. I, I love what my wife has been saying recently. It's not about me. That's humility, guys. Every situation you're in, your life is not about you. The situation you're in is not about you. It's about God. And it's about others. That's, that's a word that doesn't taste very good when you say that. Where am I in this picture, Lord? You're right here. It says, you know, love others as you love yourselves. So it is important to love yourself and value others. So let's, let's bring this right down to where we live. We're still on Mary. She was prepared. She was humbled. But if you want to be used by God, we need to understand the preparation and don't just come on Sunday morning. Well, I want you to come on Sunday morning. But don't let that be the only thing you do spiritually. Be in the word, and then we're going to get into that. Be prepared by humbling yourself. Understand that God wants to use you and say no to the appetites of the body and then humble yourselves to God. Number three, she was prepared in the way that she exercised her mind. I love this thought. Okay, just, just a devotional thought, really. Verse 29 and what she said, okay? She pondered, King James uses the word ponder, okay? And it just means to be, she considered what the angel had to say. Now, in other words, she just didn't say, well, I had a visit from an angel. I'm important. You ever, you ever heard people say that? I remember years ago, this guy, his wife left him because he was a mess, understandably so, at my encouragement, leave this fool, Okay, and she did, she moved out. Well, all of a sudden, one night in the first week she was gone, she had a visit from an angel, or he had a visit from the Lord. It wasn't an angel, it was the Lord. The Lord stood in his bedroom, and he's describing this. And his wife comes back and stays with because he's changed. There was no change. Every time you talked to him, he had one thought. He exalted the visitation of the Lord. He kept talking and talking and talking. He elevated that experience over anything the Lord said to him. Notice that's what Mary did just the opposite. She didn't talk about the experience. She pondered what? The message. See, angels are just messengers from God. And if an angel shows up, we're not gonna exalt you because you had a, a, an angel come. We won't, what, what do you say? Does it line up with the book? If it don't line up with the book, it was the wrong kind of angel. It was a fallen angel. And matter of fact, I remember months after this guy never changed, and that's all he talked about, and I mean, still a mess. 
Never trusted Christ, never done any of that stuff, but he, but he saw Jesus. His wife left him again. And I remember that time going over to him and said, that wasn't a visit from the Lord, that was a Big Mac in the middle of the night. You shouldn't have ate that Big Mac. And I was very honest with him. Because you can't come face to face with Christ and not be changed. But he's at the right hand of the Father, ever living to make intercession. The next time he comes down, he's going to be stopping in the clouds and we're going up to meet him. Can I hear an amen? Exciting stuff. She deliberated. She reflected. She wasn't flighty. She wasn't superficial. She wasn't only focused on the, 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 the visitation. She was focused on the words. This 14-year-old was in depth. She was contemplating what the angel said. What 14-year-old does that? Do we even allow a 14-year-old to do that? We want them to have fun. We want them to have a child have a childhood. Remember that? Don't grow up too fast. Look at Mary. She really grew up, didn't she? So don't tell me that you can't be used. God used a 14-year-old young girl. Don't tell me, and this is one I hear all the time, you can't be used because you don't know enough. What about the woman at the well? I mean, Jesus shows up to the woman at the well and he's talking with her about the Savior and she has no idea who he is or doesn't even understand. So he, he's having to tell her who he is and, and who to be expecting and all of a sudden she gets saved. What does she do? She runs back and tells all the men of the city because the women wouldn't listen to her. She tells all the men and they're listening Dig into that a little deeper. Why do the men listen and the women not? There's volumes of good stuff there. And they run down and they see Jesus and the city gets saved because of this brand new babe in Christ. Who had lived with five people, been married five times, and the one she's living with now was not her husband. And God used her in a great way. Don't tell me God can't use us. But the key is we need to be prepared. Remember the, the guy that was born blind and all of a sudden he healed? What did he say? He just went around and said, all I know is I was blind and now I see. <laughs> Turned a whole slew of people towards Jesus for them to investigate on their own. That's all we gotta do. Tell our story, write it down. Because when you write it down, you're gonna see your story and say, oh, wait a minute, where's the birth? <laughs> I mean, I don't know what your story's about. But a lot of people have this story, but they miss out on the new birth. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. A birth, Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. There has to be a birth. You can't always be a Christian. There has to be a birth. Physically, there was a time and a place when you were born physically. There needs to be a time and a place when you were born spiritually. You don't have to, I don't remember the time. Well, I do, it's two o'clock in the morning. I don't remember, well, I remember the place. It was December 
I don't remember the day though, but I remember the birth. I'll never forget the birth. You can't just wake up and say, oh, I believe. There has to be an understanding. Jesus died for my sins. That's the understanding of that. My sins are paid for. But the only way that I'm going to have this spiritual life is if I accept what he did on the cross as the payment for my sins. I trust in what he did on the cross. His blood that he shed was paid Pay, is paying my sin debt and I accept it and I receive that. As many as received him, to them gave he the right to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So if you're here, you've never trusted Christ and you write that story and you don't see the birth, you need to have the birth. That's where the change begins. So if you want to be used by God, you want to experience what Mary experienced, there has to be a discipline of the body. And then when we fall, we confess. Humility, humbling ourselves, and then looking into God's word, contemplating, and then last of all, she was prepared in the way she disciplined, molded her will. Good stuff. She molded her will. She said, behold, the servant of the Lord. I am the bond slave of the Lord. Be it unto me as you have said. She made a choice right then and there. I'm going to do what God has called me to do. I submit myself to his plan. Now I want to go back to 2 Corinthians, and I want to read this to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Just go, go back to 2 Corinthians. It's way up top there. And I know I only have one verse there, but I'm going to read a couple more verses. So if you do have your phones, look, in, look at their chapter 9, 2 Corinthians, look at verse, I'll get it here in a minute. I said 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. That's what happens when you do stuff on the fly, right? Paul says this, we've already read verse 25. Or verse 27. I'm going to read verse 26. It says, therefore, I run not with uncertainty. He's talking about running the spiritual race. Thus I fight, not as one that beats the air. In other words, Paul's saying, I'm not fighting and running this Christian life. I'm not shadow boxing. But then he goes on, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any chance I myself should be disqualified. So it's a spiritual warfare. It's that battle. And if we're going to be prepared, we have to say no to the appetites of the body. You say, well, how do I know if God's wanting to use me and he's preparing me for something? How do I know? One more verse. John chapter 17. Or John chapter 7, verse 17. If anyone wills to do his will. Anyone will do the Father's will. He will show him, he will make known to him concerning the doctrine. In other words, the word know means teaching. So if you do what God is telling you to do, that's basically the text. If you do what God's telling you, then he's going to reveal to you more teaching. He's going to speak to you 
of what he wants you to do. So the question is, are you doing what you know right now is the will of God? Are you doing God's will in your life? Are you doing what you know to be his will? If you are, then be prepared to be visited by an angel. Now, I don't, I don't mean a literal angel. We've already been through that. But he's going to teach you, according to this verse, he's going to show you what he wants next. But if you're not doing the will of Father, don't expect Jesus to show up and say, whoa, I'm going to give you some great stuff. Because you're going to be passed by. You're going to miss out. As a matter of fact, it's not only will you miss out, you probably won't even know the opportunity is there. So we have to be prepared. And when we're prepared, he reveals it, and then we'll have the strength to embrace it. So Mary's a great example for you and I. This Christmas story is full of great stuff. New stuff. And I love that it's eternally fresh. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you this morning. Thanking you for the word of God. For, Father, it's just inexhaustible. And it just thrills our hearts when we read it and we study it. And Father, we pray that you would help us not just to put in an hour this morning. Holy Spirit of God, speak to us. Take what we've heard. Cause it to light up our soul. Charge us spiritually. Father, we want to be a people. We want to be a church that influences this community for you. We want, to, we want you to do with us what you will. Not just this community, but Father, this city. Use us, but Father, first, help us to be prepared. And we'll give you the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's all stand as we sing our last song. If God has spoken to you and you need to pray about something this morning, during this last song, it's your opportunity. Just spend some time up here alone with God. All right.